the cheeseheads who want it fresh and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral. This is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And, you know, I don't think this is the uh, the matchup that we thought we'd be talking about when we had it circled on our calendars to start the season. But Packers Bills, Sunday Night Football, the three and four Packers traveling to the five and one Bills coming off of a bye week, looking like the best team in the NFL, having just beaten the Chiefs. How you feeling, Perry? I mean, it's almost Halloween. Happy almost Halloween, I guess. I guess. Uh, <laughs> hot take. Halloween's like my least favorite holiday. So <laughs> yeah, so it's a bad weekend nice. for you, I guess. <laughs> um, yes, I am. I have many a plans. None of them involve dressing up. So, um, but yes, we get Packers bills. This was circled on my calendar. As like the matchup that I could not wait for a potential Super Bowl pre matchup. And as the season has rolled along, the Bills have fulfilled their promise and the Packers have not. So this should make for a very, very interesting primetime game. All I ask is that the Packers don't get blown out. Right. I just want a good competitive game. I understand that they are the far inferior team buffalo bills are by far and away the super bowl favorite as they should be they're playing incredible football right now coming off a huge win against the chiefs before they're by kind of a karma game if you will and the packers are not living up to expectations so just go in and fight that's all i'm looking for yeah and i mean i maybe it's like the eternal optimist in me where i can't stay down for too long but and i don't know if it's like you know, the Rogers comments about, you know, guys need to stop making mental mistakes and they need to respond to adversity. But like, I've been feeling better about this game and maybe I'm feeling better about it because it feels like I'm going in with low expectations. You know, like maybe when the pressure's off, you feel like you can relax a little bit more. But I started to like, and I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's the ayahuasca or whatever, but Aaron Rodgers, like maybe I bought into the uh, this could be the best thing for us, because I think when you have that like relaxed mentality of like, hey, let's just go in and see what happens. We never know. Like the, I'm, I'm sure the pressure would have been on if the Packers were also a five and two, you know, six and one team heading into Buffalo. And we'd be talking about like, you know, this is a Super Bowl matchup in prime time and how the Packers perform historically when they're going up against teams that they see again in the postseason, like, you know, the Buccaneers or the 49ers. So maybe there's something to be said about them just going into Buffalo, being counted out so badly where they can get back to basics and play their brand of football, because maybe that's maybe the overcomplication of the last couple of games has been part of the problem. I told you I'm trying really hard. Maybe maybe you're right. Look, you're right. I I do think that, Aaron Rodgers historically especially plays his best ball with a chip on his shoulder when the Packers are underdogs. Um, I think I've seen a lot of comparisons to the Packers going into Cardinals um, last season without Devontae Adams. I don't know if those are apt comparisons considering the team is just performing like quite differently this season. But Look, we know what this team is capable of. The Mm -hmm. problem that we've been having this season is that they have not even remotely closely lived up to the potential that this team has. So all it takes is one game to get them to be where we know that they can potentially be. Now, if it happens to be in a primetime game against the best team in the league, wonderful. 
I'm not holding my breath, but I do agree with you in the sense that like, maybe this is the kick in the butt that they need. Maybe being an underdog is what kind of like lights that fire under them and they at least perform up to or close to potential. That doesn't mean that they win. That doesn't mean that they go in and dominate the bills, but it just means, like I said, that it's a close competitive game to the point of, I feel much better about like where this team is headed for the rest of the season. The trajectory. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I want to, I want to preface this by saying like, I don't think that the bills are going to slide. The Cardinals did right. They were seven and seven and zero. (laughs) They, you know, undefeated team and then they skidded and, you know, missed the playoffs and nothing, you know, fancy happened for them the rest of the season. Not saying the bills are going to do that. I think the bills are still the Super Bowl favorite, regardless of what were to happen if the Packers shock them on Sunday. But I, I think, you know, it's only fair if we're talking about teams that don't look like playoff contenders to also talk about teams that do look like playoff contenders and how much can change in the playoff picture, because it's still only week eight. And for as much as we've been, you know, discrediting this Packers team and saying, wow, man, they don't really have a shot right now at the playoffs. Things can change because last year the Cardinals were the Super Bowl favorite at this point in the season based on the record and how they were playing. We had all the maybe we're just better sound bites floating around and then, you know, we know how that turned out. So not saying I think the same thing happens for the Bills. I just think if we're going to discredit some teams and kind of count them out, we have to also be careful and say that every team in the NFL is beatable. You are right. It's an Evan, any given Sunday league. Um, so let's dive into the the matchup itself because there's a lot, I think, to talk about because <laughs> the Bills are probably the most complete roster in the league right now, um, maybe next to the Chiefs. But the Bills have a potential MVP quarterback at the moment. Josh Allen is everything. Not only is he like – he he gives me kind of like far gunslinger vibes, but at the same time can run the ball down your throat. He is just such a dual threat. Um, they have a trio of wide receivers that is going to give this Packers secondary a test, right? Because they have not only Stefan Diggs, who might be one of the best wide receivers in the league right now, but Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie, who are going to cause problems for Stokes and Rasul, whether they're on the boundary or in the slot, because they can play both. The only thing I'd say about this team is that like their run game is average, which they don't need, you know, a a top tier run game because their passing game can light anybody up. But this offense is on fire right now, and it's going to give the Packers defense a hard time. I appreciate Wes Hodkowitz of Packers.com for this because he also, you know, approaches things with, I think, that same kind of optimistic lens. And But he, I was listening to uh, Unscripted earlier this week, and he said, like, on paper, theoretically, the Bills offense kind of matches up how you'd want it to for the Packers defense because of their, you know, they don't lean on the run very much. So what has gashed the Packers all season is these backs that can, you know, just just dominate yardage and time of possession and burn clock and obviously Josh Allen is a threat when he can throw a 98 yard touchdown to anybody on the field at any point and you know if your your secondary can't cover but we're seeing a more aggressive press man style coverage from guys like Jair and you know I know he got burned a couple times by Terry McLaurin but if the the secondary is able to play physical and they make the Bills kind of have to lean on some of their run game it could play into what we've wanted to see from this Packers defense. You're right. I mean, this Packers defense is built to stop the big play, which 
the Bills do very well, right? Like they always, I think every game have one huge eye-popping explosive play given all the playmakers that they have. So I would be curious to see what the Bills game plan is. I imagine they're going to be what we would like the Packers to be, right? And come (laughs) and just dictate and play however they want and like make defense adjust to them. But it will be really, I mean, Stefan Diggs against Jair Alexander is a top tier matchup that I think anybody is going to be excited to watch. Stefan Diggs is averaging 13.4 yards per reception this season, aka he gets a first down every single time he has the ball in his hands. So I'm, and he already has six receiving touchdowns. So I'm expecting Diggs to get some. I'm hoping Jair gets some as well. It's going to be a quite, I think, evenly matched game. The Bills will probably try to move Stefan Diggs around given that they don't really want him on Jair as much as possible. So maybe Rasul and Stokes will see some Diggs, but he's going to be like, you got to stop Stefan Diggs, basically. You have to start there. Everyone else comes second because, but Josh has lots of weapons too. He'll throw it to Gabe Davis as much as he wants if Stefan Diggs is getting covered. We've seen Davis get a hat trick in games already this season. He loves his tight end Dawson Knox. So there's going to be, I'm curious how much dime that Barry is going to play in this game because they haven't trotted out too much dime. The base has been very, very nickel this season when they have come out in dime. It's they've actually played quite well, but they haven't needed to because they haven't gone up against opponents with this many receiving weapons. But that means also that you have to trust the one less guy up front to stop the run game, which to your point could be okay against this Bills team. But if they do play in dime, you know, who's going to be that sixth DB is also the question. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell in that spiral because I think Josh Allen, you know, you said Stefan Diggs is one of the biggest threats and he absolutely is. It's also Josh Allen, right? Like oh, he leads their he leaves leads their ground game with one more yard than Devin Singletary on 10 less attempts. So, if there's one quarterback, like we talk about the the Lamars and Jalen Hurts and the guys they can get out of the pocket to a you know, Josh Allen is about as good at it as anybody in the league. So, if he can extend plays with his legs, the Packers are really going to need to maintain their gap integrity and, yeah, you know, edge. yeah. And I mean, thinking about playing more dime, I think it's totally plausible. But then I started thinking, you know, Rashawn Gary is in concussion protocol. And if Rashawn Gary can't play on Sunday, can you really afford to take away any pieces like in support in that kind of front four front seven, because you're losing arguably your best guy there. And yes, I mean, the nice thing is, you know, Jaron Reed has looked good. Dean Lowry has looked good. So Kenny Clark has had more support this season than he has in previous years. But losing your best pass rusher is not good when you're going up against Josh Allen. Rashawn is going to do everything he possibly can to play. Oh, absolutely. And I'm glad that he has at least like half a day longer to to get out of concussion protocol. But yeah, I mean, Josh Allen is not only a running threat, but he is really hard to take down. Yeah. Really, really, really He'll hard hurdle somebody. Down. Yes, And not even just in the run. I mean, when he's sitting in the pocket, like he is really hard to take down. So he's not only like a dual threat with his arm and his legs, but he adds that element of, I don't know, sturdiness. I don't know what it is about him. He's He's huge. Yeah, he's he's huge. He's a Buffalo. They call him Buffalo. (laughs) So every other game going into this before this one, my thought was, okay, you get to the quarterback, you make it easier on your secondary. And I think that's like, 
your typical blueprint. I actually don't know if that's going to be a good enough blueprint for this game. I don't know if getting to Josh Allen from a pass rush perspective is going to be good enough to stop this team. I think you're actually going to really have to rely on your secondary to just make some plays on the ball against this Bills offense. Yeah, I was thinking that. I mean, and the the tricky part is, you know, Josh Allen's not, it's not rookie Josh Allen like they saw in 2018. Like, mm-hmm. he's not giving the ball away anymore. He's got 17 touchdowns, only four picks. Like, those are really impressive numbers from him. And this offense in general is just really impressive. They're second in the league in points for. They're putting up almost 30 points a game. Most of that, like we talked about, comes from the passing game. They're fourth in the league in attempts, first in yards, second in touchdowns. Just I think you have to force the Bills into playing, you know, as much as we say the Packers need to play mistake-free football, I think they need to force the Bills into making some mistakes with which, you know, is is not something that they've really been doing this season, especially at home. I will it'll be it'll be interesting to see what Joe Barry does, whether or not it's dime or whether like you said they keep Devondre and Quay on the field the whole time. At some point, someone who's not if they're playing nickel at some point, someone who's not a DB is going to have to be dropping into coverage against one of these Bills' weapons, and that's going to be the matchup that Josh Allen is going to exploit. Absolutely. So either you're going to have to make some adjustments and give up somewhere, like we said, whether it's up front. I personally would rather have a DB on the field to cover a Dawson Knox than watch Quay Walker or Preston Smith right try to drop into coverage being asked to do something that that's just like not their skill set to do and once again get gashed by that because they've already shown like that's just not the way to win but you know maybe the db that gets brought in also gets gashed so (laughs) (laughs) so let's talk about the packers offense then right unless unless you have any other thoughts on the the bills offense because i think at this point it's just no, I mean, there's I could not hold the Bills offense for there. There's endless things to say about them. Um, the Packers are just going to this defense is just going to have to play like their best ball. Just and not just yeah. for a quarter. Like. Yeah, for the whole game. And I think being aggressive. Sure, you may give up. You may give up an explosive play right against this Bills offense. That's not a death knell, right? Every every defense has given up an explosive play against this Bills offense, but I think in order to clamp down and try to limit the amount of points that they score, you have to play more aggressive against them. And and here's the thing, like every NFL team, we talked about it on all of our recap shows, especially in the losses, every team's going to punch you in the mouth. But if there's one week you're coming into a game knowing that the opposing team is just going to throw haymakers at you, like this is the game where we talked, we talked about it at the top of the show, like they don't have to necessarily come out and win this game but you can't put up the kind of performance that the Steelers did where it's 38 to three. Like you have got to score some points. You've got to get your offense in rhythm. You have to respond. You can't just get punched in the mouth and fold because it's going to be a long, long game if that's what happens. So I think, you know, at this point, it's just, I want to see, I want to see some continuity from the offense. So let's, let's maybe start there because I think the defense, the defense could struggle, but they also have played the most, I guess, complete performance so far on the season they've showed the most promise and the most progress so what can this Packers offense do then on Sunday not necessarily to win but just to to put up a fight and and show that they're progressing stay on the field as long as humanly possible the way to beat this Bills team is simply to keep Josh Allen off the field don't let him touch the it's like overtime just don't let him touch the ball (laughs) do not give him the ball 
right? Long drives, move the chains. It's the way, the way that this Packers offense operates when it's operating well is the key to winning this game. Yes. Right. Like, and this is not, I mean, this isn't rocket science here. I want them to play like this all the time, but I think especially against the bills who can put up points in two seconds on you, like literally in two seconds on you, I'm not being hyperbolic. You want to keep the ball away from Josh Allen. So you want long, sustained, rhythmic drives. You want to be able to run the ball. You want to own time of possession. You want to run down that clock. You do not want to give Josh Allen ball back. And you want to keep your defense as fresh and rested as humanly possible. So do what you do best. Dink and dunk, slash them, run Aaron Jones, run A.J. Dillon. If it's third and three, just get three yards, move the chains, right? You want Aaron Rodgers to, you want Aaron Rodgers to be the game manager in this game. No funny business, no running around, no shot plays. Like you cannot make mistakes in this game. He, Aaron Rodgers talked about it all week. I think he's mentioned it like 15 times. This team has no margin for error. It had no margin for error against poor teams. It especially doesn't here. Right. You cannot turn the ball over. You have to have ball security. You have everyone's got to be making as few mental errors as humanly possible. And this O-line has to protect Aaron Rodgers and keep him upright. Yeah. And I mean, I, I understand the concern because I also have these concerns, right, that we're seeing, you know, the Packers lost to the commanders who, by all accounts, are not a very good football team. And, you know, if you put up this kind of performance against the commanders, how does that translate to a team that is a heavy Super Bowl favorite? And I think the answer is just the Packers cannot repeat the performance that they had. And I don't like making excuses for losses, and I'm not trying to do that here, but I think that maybe in a weird way, the commander's game gave them teaching tape on like everything that went wrong because you don't expect them to do this again. You don't expect this Packers team to go 0-6 on third down. You don't expect them to lose the time of possession battle by like 15 full minutes. So there's a lot of things that, you know, it's like Matt LaFleur says, obviously you want to win and then have things to coach up when you're winning. But when you lose, so much of that is so much more glaring that the mistakes need to be corrected. And, you know, obviously the hill gets harder to climb when you're talking about making these mistakes against a, what was a two and four team instead of a five and one team. But the, the how you approach it, I think, stays the same, like how you respond to it. And the answer is just the Packers cannot have the kind of performance that they had last Sunday this Sunday. You can't do it twice. No, no. That's what I mean. Like, if they come out and they're at least competitive, then I feel better about them being able to turn their season around. If this is another performance, a, just a beat down like we've seen the last few weeks, then that to me is just what this team is, unfortunately. Right. Um, I think for me, this offense, again, like, I don't know what David Bakhtiari's status is, and I think he's a huge key to this game because the offensive line is going to have a huge test yet again. They played well against the commanders. I'll give them that. But this Bills front is also incredibly ferocious. I've been watching them all season, and they will wreck you. You've got depth on depth up there, right? Because <laughs> they're starters, Gregory Rousseau, Ed Oliver, Von Miller. And then behind them, they even have Jordan Phillips and AJ Epinesa. Like, they have a really stout front. So – you have to not only keep Aaron Rodgers upright, but do your best to open up some running lanes for Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, because I'm not going to repeat myself again, but they have to get more than 12 touches in this game, but they also need to be able to 
get some yardage off of those touches. Yeah. And it, it, the problem is, you know, this is defense. It doesn't get any easier. They're first in the league in points against. They're giving up like 13 points a game, this defense. And then there's there's talent at every level. You just talked about the front. Then you've got, you know, it's really unfortunate that Micah Hyde's not going to be out there on Sunday with the season under. But Jordan Poyer has more than filled in. He's already got four picks on the season. Their rookie, Kyrie Elam, has two interceptions. I think six or seven different guys, including some linebackers and a defensive end have a pick. They have a ton of passes defense. Like they will yeah. get after you everywhere. And we say every week, you know, this, this wide receiver core can't play mis- like they can't play with mistakes. This secondary is exactly why you can't. And the challenge gets even worse this week. You've got Randall Cobb on IR. And that's, I think one of the reasons that we can't necessarily make all the comparisons to the Cardinals game from last year, because there was still Randall Cobb. There was still kind of like that trust factor that Rogers had right now. He you know, might be without Alan Lazard. We don't know what his status is going to be for Sunday. Cobb's on IR. Sammy Watkins, I think, has 11 targets. And then you've got Dobbs. Maybe Watson plays through the hamstring. We don't know. But then you're looking at, like, Amari Rogers and Juwan Winfrey. And Samori Touré. Yeah. So thinking about, you know, playing mistake-free football with rookies, and I think that, you know, kind of was one of the questions with Rogers' comments. Like, if you're not playing well, you know, you should lose your spot for a little bit but who do you replace these guys with like we're running out of depth in the wide receiver room well yeah I was thinking about this too because as much as the wide receiver room is gashed like maybe this is just a game where Matt LaFleur pulls out Pony or he's always had always has two or three tight ends on the field right like there I think there has to be a way for him to at least pull out some packages that are going to be a different from what the Packers have been pulling out so far this season so that what the Bills have been studying on tape isn't what the Packers are doing on the field and B, just like leveraging who's available right now. So let's have some Josiah DeGuara out there more, right? Let's give him some opportunities. This doesn't necessarily have to be a wide receiver led game. You know, you have Robert Tunyon. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe Mercedes Lewis can run a route or two. Like they're, <laughs> they, they have guys besides the wide receivers now obviously that's not ideal you don't want to have to go into a football game and say we're going to beat the Super Bowl bound bills with our tight ends and our running backs but if that's who's available and that's who's been producing for Aaron Rodgers then get those guys the ball and see how this bills defense responds to that first if this is a game where Aaron Rodgers has Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones has less than 20 touches, however he gets them, whether it's, you know, handoffs or in the receiving game, something is wrong. Like you need to give your playmakers plays. And, you know, we talked a little bit kind of post game um, from the commanders about AJ Dillon. And I know he's not having the season that he maybe expected himself to have, but we just can't give up on these guys. Like this is a, a really stout front. You just talked about who cares if AJ Dillon gets two yards on first down, you still have to commit to the process because yeah. first and eight is a hell of a lot better than first and 15 because of a holding penalty or like, you know, first and 20 or, you know, first and 10 or second and 10, because you just, you know, threw a shot play that was never going to happen. So just chunking yardage, I think is something that they have to commit to and, and not shying away. Like, there's a very good chance that the Packers defer or the Bills, you know, take the ball and the game immediately starts seven, nothing. Yep. And the Packers have to be able to just sustain drives and stay in it and not, you know, try to play hero ball and go score for score because we've seen this season. They just simply cannot do that. They don't yeah. have the firepower to go score for score on offense right now. Oh boy. 
<laughs> that's how I feel about this game. Oh boy. Um, yeah, it's just for me, it's going to be mistake free football. It has to be. And I was glad to hear that after this commander's loss, that, that some guys in the locker room stood up and said something. I'm not at all surprised that Mercedes Lewis was one of them, but I really want this team to go into this game, like believing at least believing in themselves yes. that they can win, right? You have to go in and just say, we are the green Bay Packers. We know what we can be. And let's just go bring it to them. Now, am I expecting a three and five record on the plane ride home Sunday night? Yes, I am. I don't think that that's a crazy thing to say based on everything that we've seen. But they have the ability to at least go in and try to put up some points against this team. I don't know. This is really tough. And we've got the Bucks tonight on Thursday Night Football going up against the Ravens. The Bucks could also be three and five. You know, we've talked about this like – if, if there's one year for your team to kind of sputter and not necessarily have things figured out so far this season, this kind of seems like the year in the NFC. It's wide the heck open. There's a lot of teams that are still in playoff contention. The commanders are still in playoff contention and they're, you know, who everybody counted them out to start the season, talked about them having one of the first possible draft picks. So, I mean, yes, the Packers can still get in it, but even if they don't win on Sunday, we've talked about it all show. You just have to start turning the car around <laughs> because like right yeah. now you're, you're kind of at a fork and you can either fork towards the playoffs or you can fork away from them. And right now they're forking away from the playoffs and we just need to see them like turn the car around and try and get back, get back on the right road. Do a K turn. <laughs> um, so if there was like one thing that you feel like this offense needs to do against the bills defense, what or a player i should say that you'd love to see step up what would it be i want to see a big game from tunyon i was gonna say that i just i mean i think it, it's okay you you can take tunyon i'll say dobbs then okay i, I just um, want to see some confidence from the young guys because i know that they you know dobbs looked really good the first couple games of the season led the team in targets led the team in receptions at one point and then it just it kind of sputtered. And I think he started to get in his head. And we both talked about how he had a really good postgame presser and said, like, their confidence is a rattled. They can respond from this. So I think some of the young guys need to rise to the occasion. And Rodgers didn't call them out specifically. But, you know, you can kind of read the tea leaves there and see, like, who he might be talking about as guys that need to get out of their own way. And I think once some of these young guys do that, the trust will be there more with Rodgers. It's just it's a it's a learning curve. And I think for some of these young guys going into Sunday Night Football, in Buffalo and having like a pretty good showing would do a lot for their confidence the rest of the season. So the quote that I am going back to, to, to answer you here is Aaron Rodgers has said, when the lights come on, you realize who's got it and who kind of wilts. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is going to be one of those games. I think if you get Romeo Dobbs and it doesn't have to even be this like explosive a hundred yard two touchdown game. Not a Stephon Diggs game. No, but if you get a game, a wide receiver one looking game from Romeo Dobbs in this, like you're feeling, I feel like I think that he has that capability. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just want to see the Romeo Dobbs from week two or week three in this game. And I agree with you. I think he has confidence in himself, the way that he speaks about getting there and the trajectory and trying to click within this offense. He, I know he has the confidence in himself. So when those lights come on on Sunday, like let's see how he can shine. 
I say Robert Tunyon because, again, we just said wide receivers are pretty banged up. Tunyon is, if especially if Lazard doesn't go, Tunyon is the security blanket. He yeah. just is, right? So we've seen the kind of player that Robert Tunyon can be for Aaron Rodgers. Granted, it's been a slow process back from the ACL, and I do not fault him for that at all. But if he takes that next step, you know, he just had a game with 10 catches. He set a record for the Green Bay Packers, and we're not even talking about it. He has all the capabilities to be that guy. And what the Packers are doing well this season is where I think Robert Tunyon can step in and make big plays for them, which is attacking the middle of the field. My dad has been screaming for this every game, so I'm going to give him credit for this. But, like, let's see some Tunyon seam routes, right? He, That guy can be a weapon for them in the middle of the field. He's not going to be a boundary receiver, and I'm glad because those plays aren't working. So let's get him the ball and get some big explosive plays there. I like it. Before we wrap up really quickly, just because the trade deadline is November 1st, and we will likely be having our preview or our recap show on Halloween. Any thoughts? Do you think the Packers make any type of trade before the trade deadline on Tuesday? Yes, I actually do. Um, I think they have to. And I don't want to make any kind of like declarative statement. However, I do feel like if they don't trade for someone, and I know trades are two ways, so we'll hear that they were in conversations because they always are. But I just feel like if they don't make a concerted effort at least to trade for someone, it says a little bit about how they feel about this season and this team. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that trading for a wide receiver is simply the fix. I think it would go towards helping this offense. I don't think that getting a Chase Claypool or an Elijah Moore or a Michael Pittman Jr. or whoever it is, Jerry Judy, is going to all of a sudden magically fix this offense. It's not. However, they're super banged up, and they don't really have and haven't had a wide receiver one this season, and it hasn't gone well. So let's at least add a piece and see. Now, I also saw that Chubb is – Bradley Chubb from Broncos is available for trade potentially – it would be a very good against thing, I think, to trade for a defensive player. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't hate it. Maybe do a little package with the Broncos. Maybe my joke about Nathaniel Hackett being an insider for the working for the Packers secretly is not really conspiracy theory. <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. Um, but I do think that this team has enough holes that you could very much like make, bolster this roster at the trade deadline. Yeah, and I've I've been thinking about that too. I I'm curious. I don't see the Packers selling. You know, I could see maybe including a player in a trade package, but I definitely don't think that this team feels like they need to blow anything up. I think the mindset of the front office and the coaching staff and the players in the locker room is still that they can contend. And I think that's why fans want to see so desperately a trade being made, whether it's like you said, to bolster your front Bradley Chubb would be a lot of fun in a rotation that we're, we've talked about beyond Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith, you know, JJ and Ingbari has looked really good the last couple of weeks, but you could always use more depth pieces. Look at the, look at the Eagles going to get Quinn. Like yeah. they didn't need him, but they're Super Bowl contenders in the NFC. 
and they strengthened a position of strength because that's what really good football teams do. The Rams last season we saw with Von Miller and OBJ. So I'm not putting the Packers in that conversation right now about a team that's like a front runner for the Super Bowl. But I think if they were to go in and get some help at some areas of perceived weakness, it would just show that they're buying in and they want to do everything that they can to change and get themselves back into a contending conversation. It would mean, though, giving up some draft capital, and that just historically has not been something the Packers are willing to do. And like I said, if they feel like this is just, we simply need to start planning for the future, and that's our priority, then I then they're not going to do anything at right. the trade deadline. But I think that that's, I think that's a mistake. I do too. And I think, you know, we've, not to say like any of us know better than the front office, right? But we've seen them try it the same way for like 20 years so just try some, take a swing for the fences and I think that's what was so frustrating for fans last season is you know the Packers are always really close and then something happens and they don't get themselves over the hump and I'm not saying that Von Miller would have made the difference in the divisional game against the 49ers or having OBJ would have made the difference but those things could have right maybe those things move the needle and I think that's where the frustration comes in is you're so set in your ways that you see how it works for everybody else in the NFL and they don't they never do what feels like enough to move the needle and you just wonder if they could have moved the needle in a couple seasons the last couple years if any of them would have played out differently yeah I think the trade for a wide receiver thing would have been like quote unquote the fix if you will and hindsight is 2020 and we never know right you cannot rewrite history that's not the case this year but again I think there is nothing ever wrong with making your roster better and stronger and if rumors are true and they're looking for a guy on their rookie deal, then that is a long-term investment for mm-hmm. them. Like I, the there's these like two rumors out there, right? That's that one. And then like going for AJ green and quite frankly, going for another like version of Sammy Watkins is mm-hmm. not going to do anything for this team now. And it's not going to do anything for this team in the future. So if you're going to give up draft capital for a player, at least make it a young player who might stay with the organization for whatever regime change comes next, for whatever comes next in the next few years, like that at least is a legitimate investment for this season and for the future, which is the Packers way. So I, the only thing I'd be upset about that they do at the trade deadline is if they're going and trading for a 34 year old washed up wide receiver. No offense, Angel Green. (laughs) And that's the thing, like Chase, Claypool is a really good example of this, and it doesn't have to be him. But we talked about it going into the season. Like the the Dobbs and the Watson picks were so important because your wide receiver room after this year is still a big question mark. Those could be wide receiver one and wide receiver two on your football team. Sammy Watkins likely done in Green Bay. You know, Randall Cobb could end up retiring. Alan Lazard, free agent, will be able to sign wherever he wants, likely isn't coming back. And You know, even with the quarterback situation up in the air, regardless of who the quarterback is, if it's Rodgers, who's developed great chemistry and wants to come back, or if it's Jordan Love, you know, taking over, having a guy like Claypool that would immediately come in and, you know, stick around, I think that's the kind of stuff. That's a very Packers front office move. Yes. It probably won't be OBJ. It probably won't be DJ Moore, but it could be somebody that can develop on the roster for the next three, four years and be the face of the future. Exactly. And... I think that's also enticing. Again, it takes two to tango. So it takes another team like the Broncos or the Colts or the Steelers, who I think could be in sell mode, right? Because they're also not having good seasons, but to 
say, yeah, let's go send one of our best wide receivers to go play with Aaron Rodgers. Like I can also see that a team would not want to do that or make the Packers overpay, which the Packers won't do. But at the same time, like that is, that is the move. That is like, I think simply the only move that makes sense for this team and the way that they operate. Well, that that was very that felt very like cathartic and productive at the end of the, that was a good way to wrap the show so yeah. let's do uh let's do score predictions just because we kind of have to really quickly and then we will wrap the show for this week all right um i have the packers losing to the buffalo bills 31 21 okay i was gonna say 35 uh 20 i think i mean i hope it's not a two score loss but considering that most of their losses have been not most i mean i guess it was a a two-pointer to the commanders like jets game got out of hand quickly i just don't want to see anything get too out of hand for them but the bills also are putting up a ton of points so they feel like they're definitely in the realm of at least 30 something and look if this packers defense can hold the bills to sub 30 points in this game i think that's a win for them and an opportunity to keep the Packers offense in the game. I agree. I don't necessarily think the Packers would be able to go score for score. I don't think we're going to see like a 28 31 kind of finish. I just, that seems like a lot, like a big ask from this offense, but I agree with you that if the defense can even give the Packers like another opportunity on offense, just give them a turnover or two and let the Packers try to do something with it. If they can keep them in the game, I'll feel a lot better about the trajectory of the defense for the rest of the season. But again, I don't want to put too much pressure on the defense because I think this is a big offensive question mark kind of game. Absolutely. I totally agree. Cool. Well, this has been uh, the Pax What She Said podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. You can find the podcast on Twitter at PWSS Podcast, on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch at Pax What She Said. We'll be back Monday with our recap show of the game. As always, you can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. You can find the podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts, including Odyssey. Make sure you download the shows for us. It really helps with our numbers. And thank you. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.